Howdy, y'all. Welcome back to the Brooklyn Bee Podcast. Uh, coming at you from Nashville, New Hampshire until Saturday is uh, Justin Worsley. With me, as always, in Brooklyn is Nick Benyors. Nick, what's up? What's going on? All right. Today, we are going to uh, do part six of our eight-part series covering the 2018 NFL Draft. We are going to do the Dirty South, the NFC South. Um, so, first and foremost is Tampa Bay, who made – a little bit of a surprising pick taking Vita Vea in the first round. Um, I think the tea leaves, especially that I was reading, was they loved Derwin James. And not only did they trade down and then not take him, uh, they traded down and they still didn't take him even when he was there. Um, what do you think of the Vea pick? The Vea pick was uh, surprising. Uh, like you said, you know, I, I didn't think I didn't think DT was in really in their – I didn't think D Lyman was really in their cards on one, you know, because – uh, Especially with how much work they've yeah, done this on the position of the offseason. Went out, you know, they had Gerald McCoy, who's a you know, fantastic player. He's, you know, he's in the middle. He's fantastic, and he's one of those guys who, because Tampa Bay really hasn't just been successful on the field, he's an underappreciated player. Yeah, you know, so, you know, uh, he kind of – I felt like between, you know, uh, having McCoy, they had traded for Jason Pierre-Paul this offseason. Uh, they gave up a third rounder to do it. You know, They got Vinny Curry. They got Vinny Curry, who's also a pretty good player, actually a pretty underrated player for the for – the, the Eagles too, you know. I felt like they were gonna go somewhere else, round one. So I, I, I really didn't see the Vea pick. That was one of the more surprising, not the most surprising, but that was one of the surprising picks. Not because uh, that that wasn't the range for Vea. I, I think that was the range. I think between you know ten and twenty was pretty much his range, you know. But I just didn't see uh, that fit. So that that was kind of surprising, you know. At the same time, I think I do see a little bit of the value in it. I, I don't think he's ever gonna be much of a pass rusher. But, uh, you know, with their linebackers, you know, they're, they're kind of more of a fast defense than a, you know, big size defense and stuff like that. So, you know, I, I feel like they, they went out, they got a, a real a real nose tackle, you know, a guy kind of playing the middle and occupy some more blockers while also making plays on his own and let in their, you know, their, their fast linebacker just kind of run around, you know, untouched and, and, and make plays uh, with speed on the back seven. Um, so Vita Vey is one of those guys who I really, I really loved this draft process. Um, he, he's a very, very athletic 340 pounder, probably the most athletic you may have ever seen. Um, he has many words. He knows the best words. Um, he, my big concern for him is going to be his conditioning, uh, which he's 340 pounds. So it's kind of expected, but he was on a really, really limited snap count at Washington. Um, so the question is, I mean, what kind of work does he put into this offseason? And how many snaps does he play for, for the Bucks this year? Yeah, I, I mean, I could see them kind of easing him in, especially if he, if he was on a little bit of snap count. Keep in mind that, you know, playing in, playing in Tampa, I don't know if you've ever been to Tampa, but it, Tampa's hot. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. And, you know, it's not going to be that year round. But, you know, especially Tampa early on, September, October, like you're still looking at 85, 90 degrees. And, he, and it's not like he's not coming from – uh, a, a place where they got that kind of weather, you know, late into the season. He's coming, you know, he's played out Washington where, you know, they got some, and he's, you know, they got some cold games and stuff like that, you know. So, what were you going to say? I think he went to high school in uh, NorCal too. So, it's not even like, right. Like, like he's been like, he, he's, he's not, he's not accustomed to, you know, balmy 85 degrees in, you know, around Halloween. Anyway, you know, so, uh, you know, I, I could see them kind of limiting his snap count, maybe playing on an obvious passing down, uh, rushing down team. Uh, early on and, and try to work him in. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it was definitely a surprising pick. Uh, I don't think it lacked uh, the value there. Uh, but I just – I didn't love the, the fit for the team. 
Um, he's actually from San Jose, which I think technically on the lexicon of uh, California is that's uh, Northern California. California. No, no, that's kind of north. That's like uh, near San. I think it's. I mean, it's really true Central Cal. Um, well, it's kind of north. It's, it's kind of near uh, near San Francisco. I think I could be wrong. I think the NorCal SoCal divider is that hitch where um, the Nevada state lines are. But I could be wrong. I also um, am not a geographer. Um, now he's a, moving on. Now he's a philosophizer. Philosophizer. Uh, moving on. So as we all know, we had to pour one out for a homie uh, muscle hamster who was mercifully released by Tampa Bay this offseason. Um, and replacing him is going to be Ronald Jones. So uh, shout out to George Stanley, who friend of the program, who actually writes for us as well. Uh, I know he's a huge uh, Ronald Jones fan, uh, but he, to me, he doesn't scream a guy who – he doesn't scream dependability to me. To me, he's more of like that home run hitter kind of guy, like almost like a Reggie Bush kind of mold where um, you bring him on the outside, you can trust him in the passing game. Like he, he has value there, but they're going to run a committee, but I feel like every running back by committee needs that alpha guy, and I just don't see him being that guy. I hear you. I, you know, I, I know that you know, down the stretch last year, they really liked uh, Peyton Barber, and they really liked what they got out of him. And Peyton Barber is uh, definitely a different type of back, uh, com- you know, compared to Ronald Jones. So I, I think the two of them actually kind of fit well together. Uh, you know, like you said, you know, you're going to have the committee back. And w- with with all the all the offensive weapons that Tampa has, you know, between Mike Evans, Deshaun Jackson, uh, Chris Godwin, who was a, you know, a rookie last year who I actually really liked, uh, you know, they also took O.J. Howard. Uh, I think they're going to want to play an up-tempo offense, which is uh, the kind of offense that Ronald Jones, you know, well, does fit into. So, you know, I, I, I think the fit isn't terrible. Um, I, I don't know if I would have gone in that direction for them, but it, based on the way they want to play, I think it's good. And then you have Barber there, you know, for, you know, if you're up and you're trying to grind out games. But, you know, in general, they're, they're just built like a uh, quick team. Up-tempo team on both sides of the ball. They're kind of built to, you know, uh, push the tempos. They're and, built for uh, speed, not for comfort. Yeah, they're built for speed. Not, yeah, not, definitely not for comfort. They're, they're built for speed. So I, I think Jones kind of fits what they're trying to do when the offense is trying to run there. Um, another th- interesting thing they did, too, was uh, they doubled up the cornerback in the second round. So a player that Nick will always hi- uh, remind me that I whiffed on um, is Vernon Hargreaves, who – uh, I really should have recognized that he was a little bit small to play cornerback in the NFL. Um, but I thought that he was going to be able – I thought he was talented enough to work past that. And two years in, it doesn't look like that's going to be the case. He gave up 1,000 yards his rookie year. Um, he didn't give up as many yards last year, but he still, like, wasn't a great cornerback. Um, but how warm is his seat with MJ Stewart and Carlton Davis coming to town? So, uh, it was just well documented how I felt about him coming out. I, I don't think – I don't think it's over for him yet. So I, I, I wouldn't say that, you know. Uh, I mean, he's still there for at least two more years at the beginning anyway. Right, yeah, you know, uh, I, I think. Unless he gets traded, obviously. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't think that'll happen yet. You know, uh, I just, I, yeah, I, I, didn't, I, didn't love, I didn't love his height, you know, coming out and stuff like that too. So for the record, people, Nick is a height supremacist. Yeah, I mean, I just, you know, here, here's my thing with the guys that they took. I, th- I, I think Carlton Davis has a chance to stick. I don't see MJ Stewart as a full-time quarterback in the NFL. Uh, I think he's more of a kind of 
uh, movable chess piece uh, in the backfield. I, I could see him play a little safety. I could see him play a little corner. Uh, I could see him play, you know, inside the slot defender kind of guy. So I think there's still a path for Hargreaves uh, to perform there. You know, they also have uh, Brent Grimes, who's, you know, he's getting up there in age, and, you know, he's not as young as he used to be. So, you know, they also... Also, his wife is a psycho. Uh, yeah, his... Yeah. What's her name? Miko? Miko Grimes. Miko Grimes. Yeah, well... I know Miko Lee was... Uh, Miko Lee's a friend of the program, and you won't understand it, but uh, Chocolate Team does. So, um... Um... <laughs> Uh, no, uh, like we, before we continue, that... we probably shouldn't say anything more about Miko Grimes because, again, she's crazy and she will scream at us. Yeah, Actually, like you know what? Let's keep talking shit because, we honestly, we could use publicity. Yeah, imagine she comes after us. These, Fuck Miko Grimes. These two, yeah. <laughs> so, um, back to what I was saying. Uh, but, yeah, with MJ Stewart, I don't see him as a full-time cornerback, so I don't think he's going to fully threaten uh, Hargreaves. You know, and I think Grimes' time is kind of running out. You know, maybe they had keeping him around another year or so. So I, I can still see the, you know, the path to Harvey sticking around and, you know, turning around still stuff like that. I, I wasn't a big fan you know, of him coming out and stuff like that, but I don't think the book is completely shut on him yet either. Um, and I'm pretty sure he played safety at North Carolina also, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Stuart, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure he did too. So that's why I mean, I, I look at him as more of a, you know, back and forth. Or he really, I think he played, I think he played around, but I think his predominant position was safety. I think he played a little bit slot. I think he played, uh, I think he played the matchups as well. He's kind yeah. of afloat. Um, but he's also – he's a guy, too, who – I mean, he's he's good at, uh, at blitzing, which uh, – love myself a nice little corner blitz every once in a while. Every once in a while. But I don't think – I don't think he has that, uh, that closing speed to uh, play on the outside of the NFL. I think he's going to be stuck between the slot and between the safety, just like, uh, just like you said as well. Yeah, I can um, see that. So – Another guy that uh, fans were just, oh, man, they were in love with this guy is Alex Kappa, who is a tackle from Humboldt State, who, for those of you who don't know, Humboldt State is located in California. Um, I had no idea that was. Yeah, I'm actually surprised it was, it was California. <laughs> oh, well, I was going to say somewhere in the Midwest. Yeah, I was going to say, it sounds Midwestern-y. Um, he's a big dude. Uh, I know Tampa's already announced that he's going to play between tackle and guard. Mm-hmm. He's six seven three oh five. Um, where do you see him as a uh, as an NFL prospect? Oh, and um, people are going crazy over him following the Senior Bowl, which is where uh, almost everybody saw him play for the first time. Yeah, pretty much everybody. I, he's one of those. He's one of those prospects where, like, you know, you, you get up game tape and it looks like somebody shot him on an Nokia cell phone. You're like, oh, all right. So that's that's where you're playing. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh man, this is grainy. This is it's like, a D two school for those who don't know Wausau. Right, like, it's not even it's not even FCS. It's D two. Yeah. So I mean, and you know what? Like, I I, I don't think it's impossible for guys to come out of D two and still be good players. You know, so I, I'm not Danny Woodhead. Yeah, I'm, I'm not much shit on something like that. But you know, uh, I, I think. But the chips are stacked against you though. From the from the they, get-go. they are they are because you know what is, I think a big a big issue becomes it's just it's such an enormous leap in in talent level. You know, like you know. The, the top level of college to the NFL is a big leap in college level because, yeah. you know, you, you, even if you're playing against top prospects, you don't get to play against them on every single down, you know? So you might play a good prospect week one, but then week two, you might kind of play like one of those beat up schools. And then, you know, it's up in the, in the NFL, like, body bag game. You know, yeah. Like in the NFL, it's like, you got to play 
NFL, any given Sunday. You have to play NFL players every Sunday because you're in the NFL. You know, so you don't get a you don't get a game off where you can kind of beat up on some kid who's kind of walked on and just playing defensive end at you know roast beef tech or whatever it is. So roast beef tech Arby's. Ar- yeah, I love Arby's. They got so, the meats. You know, <laughs> so you know, like it's a it's a really big leap in in talent level. So that, that's why I think it's as hard for them, especially to come in early and uh, and perform. You know, so uh, you know with Kappa. I, I see I see their so they have Donovan Smith at left tackle. Um, God he sucks so much. Uh, for those you know, who don't know, we are a very anti Donovan Smith podcast. That's true, we are. Um so they got him. Uh we also are a um pro DeMar Dotson podcast. Demar Dotson uh, podcast. Big fan of DeMar Dotson. So shout out to you, DeMar. Do your thing, man. If you're listening. Um, oh, he's listening. Uh, Demar's a friend of the program. Yeah, he's a friend of the program, so he's definitely listening. So you know, but I see them like I, I don't think they're ready to give up on Dawson on uh, Smith yet. So I think I wish they just would at this point. <laughs> I think they're kind of set at tackle right now. So I could see uh, Kappa playing guard early. But you know what? Not for nothing, Dawson's getting a little up there in age. Uh, you know, he's, and he's battled a couple of injuries the last few years too. So I could see uh, maybe them trying to move on from him the next year or two, trying to groom, uh, trying to groom. Kappa into into that position, so I, I think they'll start him out at guard, uh, see how it works. If if it works and something like that, maybe they'll leave him. Kind of depends on on his performance there. Um, I've actually said this, and I actually wrote an article on this during the season before Dotson uh, went down for the year. I think Tampa at this point should put Demar Dotson on the left side. I know he's a career right tackle, but he was phenomenal against the pass rush last year. Um, and at this point, like, he's been so good and Dominic Smith has been so bad that at what point do you realize, maybe I should protect Jameis Winston's blind side? Uh, it's, it's definitely a novel idea. Um, and um, not to mention, Smith isn't the last year of his contract this season. So, yeah, well, yeah, it's his fourth year, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, it um, makes sense. I, I, I can see it happening. Uh, maybe, maybe they're looking at Kappa trying to get there eventually one day, too. You know, it's tough to tell. Um, so moving on from, actually, no, I'm sorry. You know, before we, uh, before we finish Tampa Bay, um, another good pick they had in the fourth round was, uh, Jordan Whitehead safety out of Pittsburgh. Uh, what do you make of that pick? I think, you know, I think they, they kind of have a need, uh, at safety. You know, they they, they definitely have a need at safety. I, I, I feel like. Tampa's one of those teams that, like, not a long time, a long time ago, I remember growing up, I remember watching the, you know, the Tampa defense, Tampa 2, and, you know, uh, with John Lynch back there and stuff like that. And I always just felt like, you know, their, their secondary was always, always really good. And, like, more recently, I just – Rondé like, Barber. Rondé Barber and, you know, um, there's a bunch of other guys. They're going to blank. But, you know, I always just felt – well, Dexter Jackson, if you, you know, former uh, – Super Bowl MVP. MVP. Right, yeah, you know, but um, Dwight Smith, I think, was back there. That is Dwight Smith back there. And, Dwight Schrute. Yeah, Dwight Schrute. They, 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 there was not a bunch of guys, and uh, I, it's weird because I feel like they've kind of strayed away from that to the point where, you know, their secondary isn't, you know, isn't great. You know, they're more of a uh, linebacker unit now. So, you know, I, I think Whitehead was an interesting pick for them. Uh, I, I could see him uh, coming to play uh, pretty early. I, you know, I, especially considering the need that they have, uh, I could see him, you know, getting – getting starting time, you know, in year one for him, even though he's, you know, a later pick too. So I thought it was an interesting pick for them. Was Chris Conti still starting for Tampa Bay last year at some point? Mm, I'm not sure. Possibly. You know what? I, I Chris, mean, Chris Conti somebody who's definitely not great, but 
not the worst player either. Like he's eh, but their their secondary just wasn't uh wasn't really great. And um, I mean, this is a team who their secondary wasn't great. Um, they had the talent. They they have talented pieces in the front seven. Uh, but over the last few years, they really just haven't put it all together. Um, they have not had a 10-sack player since Simeon Rice in 2007. Damn, was that long? That was a good year, it by the way. A great year for you, year. at least. Yeah. Um, but Simeon Rice is – I mean, at that point, he was already long of the tooth, but he is now – he's 44 years old now. Didn't he talk I mean, about coming back recently? I'm sorry. You know what? It was, it was 2006, not even 2007. It was two thousand six of the last year, year. Because he um he played for Denver and Indy in 07. Uh but yeah, you are correct. He was talking recently about coming back, but yeah, I right. mean then again, so is Tiki Barber. Um or, these, old, these old guys don't know when to, when to give up. Or Rafael Palmero in baseball. Yeah, that guy's gonna come back. Yeah. He's trying to just re- reestablish his reputation. Yeah, definitely. Um so moving on, um let's talk about the Saints. So I think the Saints made a little bit of a surprising pick. Um, I know Lamar Jackson was, was a sexy pick to them. I had him going there also. I actually think they're better off not taking Lamar Jackson. Um, but that being said, I think that Drew Brees is 39. He's no spring chicken. And the Saints do need to find a, uh, an heir to him. And it's been something that they've been kind of – they've been aware of for a couple of years now. Um, I know that there was a rumor in the 2015 draft that they're offering Drew Brees for the first overall pick straight up, so they could take Winston. Um, I don't, I don't really, I can't really buy that overall. I mean, it, it, it's it's a rumor at the end of the day. It's really nothing, nothing more, nothing less. Um, but I think it kind of adds to the narrative though that they know they need a quarterback for Drew Brees. It's just yet again they, they didn't take a quarterback this year. Yeah, I, you know what? I, I, I get it, and I, you know, I think the you know Brees' exit's coming up. Uh, somewhat soon, but you know what? After the year they had last year, I think they look at it and they say, "No, Breeze is still productive." And not only is that he's still productive, but the the team is pretty good around him. You know, this is probably the, the best, uh, most talented team, team he's had yeah, around him. Most talented, uh, had at least for the last you know seven eight years. You know, like so, I think they're looking at it and saying, "You know what? We're probably not that far off." Which, listen, I'll be honest with you, they're not. You know. Uh, if they don't, if Marcus Williams doesn't miss that tackle, Marcus Williams doesn't miss that tackle. You know they go to they go to Philly, and I'll tell you this: I don't think they would have gotten blown out the way uh, Minnesota. Did. Minnesota, you know, was. Minnesota just kind of didn't show up for that game. You know, so they listen. They go to they go to Philly. It's a close game. You know, Drew Brees makes one more play than Nick Foles, which you know certainly plausible. You know, you're looking at a Super Bowl with New England and and New Orleans. I mean, New Orleans already beat the team that you know beat New England. I I could have seen. You know, they're Literally, a play. They could have been a play away from going to the Super Bowl, you know. And yeah. So I, I think they're looking at it now and they're saying, you know what? I don't think we're that far off. You know, they traded up. They gave up a first rounder last year or for uh, next year, sorry, for uh, Marcus Davenport. And uh, you know, they're 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 going for it. You know, they're pushing the chips all in and they're going for it. I, I think it's that's probably the best move for them right now. Um. So two sides of the coin is, for once, this is a team that doesn't have to funnel through Drew Brees. I mean, they have a running game. They have a stout defense. Um. They no longer need to rely on Drew Brees to throw for 5,000 yards um, a season in order for them to go 7-9 and nine again miss the playoffs. <laughs> um, but that being said, though, um, a lot of these guys who did well for them were, were rookies. They, they drafted incredibly last year. Yeah, they, they literally nailed every pick. But I'm, I'm concerned that 
those guys are going to hit a sophomore slump. I'm not saying all of them, but enough to make an impact on that team. Um, you know what? I, I feel like even if some of them have a down year, they're a good enough team overall to kind of, you know, uh, handle it. Maybe kind of work through some, you know, sophomore slumps and stuff like that. I, I, I still, th- I still think, you know, like I, I still think New Orleans is going to be a really good team next year. Uh, I think they're going for it. I think that's, that's probably the right move, and I, I liked it. Um, another thing too is that I mean, the NFC South has been incredibly volatile ever since the the division inception. Um, so I think I think New Orleans is going to be the sexy pick for the division winner, but it also wouldn't surprise me if uh, if somebody did come out and and uh, dethrone them this season. Yeah, I, I, you know what it is? I, I think part of that is, you know, the parity there is created in the fact that they're similarly, you know, uh, talented teams. You know, it's not like there's not and one And they also have that same philosophy too, almost. Uh, yeah, they do. And, and it's also, to an extent. To an extent, yeah. And it's also, it's not like, you know, uh, there's one team that's significantly uh, better than any other teams. You know, like you look at some divisions where a team's really dominating, you're like, I don't want to use New England as an example, but, you know, you look at New England as an example, and it's like, all right, well, who else is going to win that division? You know, I mean, you're just like, oh, nobody's going to win that division. You know, it's going to be New England. <laughs> but, you know, in, in that division, you know, you see you see three teams with with good, you know, veteran quarterbacks who have, you know, won a lot of games in their careers and and won, you know, a few big games for that, you know, for themselves too. And, and then you see their, their fourth guy is Jameis Winston, who's, you know, he won those big games in college and he was drafted first overall and it comes with, you know, he has a big pedigree and stuff. So, you know, when you have a top quality QB player across the board, like if you think about it, Jameis Winston is the worst, you know, quote unquote, of quarterback of the four. And he's a probably about, at, the, at least at this point, probably at least an above average quarterback in the NFL, you know, so. I think Winston is much better better than he's given credit for. I agree. I, I, I was a fan coming out, you know, spoke, spoke we, about this. we both were. Yeah. I think the exact quote that we had was, um, he is Russell Wilson in a NFL quarterback size, was kind of what we saw him as at Florida State. Right, yeah, well, with, with probably a little more limited athleticism. But yeah, no, I... I, I and more uh, PR nightmares. <laughs> yeah, a lot more. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I think I, I think his, his story is still yet to be written. I, I know people are trying to, you know, label him as a... I mean, I wouldn't say a bust, but at least it's a disappointment to this point, and I, I don't think I'd agree with that. But I don't. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't call it a disappointment either. Um, my big concern for Winston uh, is that I think he fumbles a lot more than he really should. Uh, yeah, but that could also just be the fact that Donovan Smith sucks. Uh, the guy yeah. comes to the blind side and chops that arm off. You know what? As subpar as Donovan Smith is, the worst offensive line play I've ever seen from Tampa. Was Kenyatta Walker? Was it no, no, it wasn't Kenyatta Walker. Who was a guy? Uh, he was playing right tackle for them. Oh, I think it was Gaza Charles. Gaza Gaza Charles played right tackle for them when I forgot who went. Down. I think Dotson went down. It was on Sunday Night Football against Dallas. It, was, it wasn't last year, it was the year before. And it was David Irving's coming out part. I think David Irving got like three sacks in literally the fourth quarter because Gaza Charles looks like he had never played football before in, in his and life. And that was like the end of Gaza's career, too. Yeah, that, that, I'm pretty sure he got caught after that, and that was it. Um, I still think the worst to me is going to be um, Kenyatta Walker. Because if you remember, um, in a game against Carolina, he committed three straight false starts because he was shitting his pants at the prospect of having to block uh, Julius Peppers. I mean, that's a good reason. I guess. I could take him. 
Um, so back to New Orleans. Uh, so they used their third round pick, which, which was their second pick in the draft on Traquan Smith. And to me, this is really a guy who's going to replace um, Brandon Cooks for them as a deep threat. Uh, uh, what do you think, Nick? I, I, I can see it. I, I see the fit. You know, he's coming from uh, the national champions. Wink, wink. Yes, the, the uh, real national champions. The real national champions. Um, you know, I, I, I definitely could, I could see that, him being used in that. You know, like, like we were saying before, you know, a lot, a lot, of, a lot, a lot of receivers, their success and, and their failure is, you know, is really tied into where they end up going and where they end up playing. You know, like, and, and, and these kind of guys, especially these, you know, guys come from smaller schools in the cases. And, you know, these guys come from smaller schools and they end up with subpar quarterbacks. And it's kind of tough, you know. But, um, you know, Smith was, Smith was pretty good last year. You know, he, he had a pretty good college career. Uh, he tested out pretty well. He's a pretty decent athlete. You know, and um, I, I could definitely see him having a at least a role as a deep threat, like you said, you know, in, the, in a Brandon Cooks mold. But you know what? He's he's a bigger receiver, and and I think uh, I think he's like six two, two hundred pounds. So he's not he's six not, uh, six one, two hundred five, six one, two hundred five. So he's got some size on him. You know, he's got uh, pretty sure he has long arms too. I think he has over three three inch arms, which is pretty impressive for a wide receiver. You know, so he's the kind of guy that I could see uh, developing his game a little more, especially with Drew Brees. You know, or throwing him the ball. And Drew Brees is, you know, has proven more recently that, you know, he can uh, use rookies. You know, we saw Michael Thomas, the second-round pick, who uh, we know I was a huge fan of coming out, um, really uh, has been a top-flight receiver basically since he came out, you know, and, and Drew Brees had a lot to do with that. Um, I will say the biggest issue, though, with Traquan Smith is um, his hands. Uh, he, yeah. he likes to drop the occasional pass, I would say. <laughs> uh, you know, he, he, likes to, he likes to shoot the ball like a, like a, like a, like a, a bar of soap once in a while. Yeah, who 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 hasn't been there? Bar soap in prison specifically. Yeah, clearly. Like uh. Uh. Anyway, continuing. Um. So they took Rick Leonard in the uh, the fourth round from Florida State. Um. I really, unless somebody gets hurt, I don't really see him getting a lot of a lot of action. I mean, their line for the most part is set. Yeah, for the most part, yeah. That's that's how kind of I see it too. Um, I, I, I think ideally, you know, they don't see Rick Leonard for a couple of years. I, I thought, you know, I didn't see Leonard really going that high. I thought he was, you know, I, I hadn't heard his name much in the pre-draft process. Um, I'm, uh, I, I don't really consider myself a fan of a college football team. Uh, there's certain teams I do like. Um, as a kid growing up, I was a uh, Florida State fan because of Charlie Ward, the Knicks, former quarterback. So, uh, you know, I, I kind of pay a little more attention to Florida State generally. So when I saw Rick Leonard pick, I, you know, I had known about him because of that. And I was like, well, people know me. Yeah, people know me. You know, and uh, I was, I was kind of surprised that he had gone that high. Uh, I didn't think that he was um, – I didn't think he was – I thought he was a fringe draft pick. You know, I thought he was a round six, round seven guy. You know, he's a big guy. I think he's like six, seven. You know, he's, he, he's got NFL size and stuff like that, but he's not really athletic. So I, I didn't really love that pick for them. But, you know, I, I think they got him with the idea that they're trying to mold him. So I guess it's not that, that bad. Yeah. Um, and for some reason, continuing the tradition now of drafting players named after cities, uh, they took Boston Scott in the sixth round. Uh, this is a couple <laughs> years after they got Orleans Dworka. But at least, at least Dworka made sense because he is from New Orleans. And I think he went to college at uh, what, Monroe or Lafayette. Oh, I don't even know. Possibly. Uh, but Boston Scott was a law tech. I mean, what, what, what's his deal? Well, you know, Louisiana Tech's nearby, so maybe that was the, uh, 
That was a story that they were going for. Home um, of uh, Terry Bradshaw. That's right. Yeah, Louisiana Tech. First overall pick. How about that? But you know, uh, they you know, when they went running back, he's a um, he's a pretty small guy, if I remember. He's like five six, five seven. He's five seven. Yeah. He's like Darren Sproles, basically. Yeah. But you know what's funny? Size wise. Si- but that's the thing, though. I don't think he's under. I don't think he's like. I think he's like two hundred pounds, though. Two or three. Yeah, I mean that's not that's not really a uh, that's not really a Darren Sproles type of back. That's not a small kind of like scat back kind of guy, you know. Uh, I mean, I, I see him kind of like a. Um, you know, they're kind of set at running back between uh, Kamara and Ingram. You know, both of those guys were uh, Pro Bowls last year, which is pretty awesome. Um, you know, they're kind of set at running back with that. So, I think he's just kind of depth. Um, you know, I, I, I could see him kind of sort of um, uh, carving Be a return, out a role for himself. I mean, I don't know if he's a returner, but I, I think he was a lead back in college, you know. But um, I, I could see him kind of – I don't see him really as a passing down back. But what I could see him as is um, at some point maybe them moving on from Ingram. And maybe him getting a shot to be uh, one of the one-two punch with Kamara, you know? Possibly. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, his positives from Louisiana Tech was that despite the fact that he's only five foot seven, um, he's hard to bring down. And he was averaging uh, 3.9 yards uh, after contact per carry, which is, which is pretty impressive, for, especially for a guy his size. Um, but when I look at guys who go to, uh, who go to small schools um, – I always try to look at the, the um, production they have against bigger schools. So uh, two games against uh, SEC team, Mississippi State and uh, South Carolina. He, um, he broke the century mark against Mississippi State, uh, but he only had 17 yards against South Carolina. They kind of bottled him up. So, I mean, even that's a little bit like a mixed bag. Yeah. I, I see. But you know what? I, especially where you're drafting at that point, you're just trying to kind of find – Guys that maybe fit diamonds in the rough, yeah, diamonds in the rough. Just guys that just kind of fit you and maybe not fit somebody else, kind of thing. So you know, I I think they, it was a deep running back draft. So you know, a lot of guys came off the board earlier. I I think you know, if listen, if anybody's gonna figure out how to use them, Sean Payton's one of those guys. Yeah, you know, injury breeze too. Injury breeze. Um, so moving on to Carolina, uh, who is still without an owner. You want to uh, try and put a bit in for the team together? <sighs> Check my sock drawer. I got thirty cents in my pocket right now. <laughs> I don't even have, I don't even have my wallet on me right now. So, <laughs> they, I, I think you're you're uh, you're my lead owner right now. Nice. Yeah. Um. So this is one of the picks I actually got right in the uh, in my mock draft. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I got seven picks correct, which is better than Mike Mayock. It's better than um the Suntan Man. Suntan Man. Uh, it's better than Mel Kiper. Um. When I looked at the national ones, the only people I saw who really beat me were uh, were Walter Football and Charlie Campbell, who both got ten each, which is incredibly impressive, by the way, for a mock draft. Yeah. Um, but Carolina is usually a team that goes for best player available, and I really don't think at that juncture at that time DJ Moore was the best player available. But I think he fit a need for them. Yeah. Uh, they needed a receiver. Right. No, I I, I agree. I, so, but you know what? At the same time. Uh, Carolina's last few drafts were being run by uh, current Giants general manager David, David Gettleman, and he was more of a uh, best player available guy. Uh, yeah, clearly. I, I don't, I don't recall uh, Marty Herney's. Uh, I remember it wasn't great, but I don't recall his, you know, his philosophy being, you know, just get the best guy, just get the best guy. So you know, uh, maybe they could have went a different way about it. You know, DJ Moore definitely somebody who fit a need. You know, they got rid of Kelvin Benjamin last year. Uh, they still have Devin Funches, who, you know, 
was Fletcher Funch. It was Funcher Crunch, who was semi productive last year as a, as a, a number one wide receiver. But I, I don't think you look at that guy as a number one wide receiver year round. You know, uh, Curtis Samuel. And keep in mind, Devin Funches was a guy who was legitimately being discussed as being a tight end at the pro level on draft day. Yeah, you know, uh, like a, a kind of like a smaller tight end kind of guy. So, you know, I, I look at them, and I think uh, Moore is a guy who fit a need. Um, you know, and at this point, you want to keep giving Cam Newton weapons. You know, he, he's, he's carried a lot. He's done a lot uh, on his own. But, you know, you, you want to be able to keep the weapons and, and try to be successful. Last year, they took a running back in the top ten. I didn't agree with it. But uh, he definitely did help in the, in the short passing game. So, you know, there's that. And, you know, uh, you know they went out and got DJ Moore. You know, it's going to help a wide receiver core. They drafted Curtis Samuel last year round two, which I thought was weirder considering they had drafted uh, McCaffrey, McCaffrey round, round one. one. You know, they're not identical players, but they're kind of sort of similar in the sense that they occupy similar places. Like, one's out of the backfield sometimes and, you know, so does McCaffrey, and they're like McCaffrey's a wide receiver and stuff like that. So uh, they're you know, similar enough to make that Spider-Man meme of two, two Spider-Mans pointing at each other relevant. Yes, yes, that's that's a good one. Um, so you know, I, I kind of I got the DJ Moore pick. Uh, I thought their second round pick, uh, Dante Jackson, was an interesting one. Um, burner, crazy fast. That's always fun. I think he ran like a four three two. Uh, my my concern with him though is uh, his size. You know, um, he's He's on, he's on the sure. I, I don't think his height is a problem. I think he's like five eleven, which that's fine. You know, you can get by being five eleven. But uh, I do worry about his weight. You know, I think he's like one eighty. He's like one seventy five. One seventy five. Yeah. You know, that's that's kind of light, especially playing in the NFL. Uh, I, I think, uh, and I think he had short arms too. So you know, playing in the slot is probably ideal for him, which is uh, uh, probably not a place I'd want to use a second round pick on. But I mean, he's an interesting guy. You know, uh, he, he uh, plays at LSU. Coming out of a uh, DBU, basically, um, yeah. You know, so he's got that working for him and stuff. So, you know, I, I guess we'll kind of see what what happens with him. Uh, you know, they definitely could use you know some some help in the secondary too. So I do understand the uh, the need. Uh, I felt like they went, uh, you know, more need based with their first two picks than they did. So that one I kind of got too. Uh, the rest of the guys, uh, you know, nothing nothing really uh, jumped out at me. Uh, I thought. Rashawn Golden was a guy who uh, was a pretty good player in college, but just uh, didn't test out really well athletically, and I think that kind of that kind of probably hurt his stock too. But he ended up going round three, which is actually a little higher than I, I thought he was going to go. I thought I thought his uh, athleticism his athleticism questions was going to kind of uh, hurt him a little more than it did. So I was surprised to see him. The, the, one one of the interesting things I liked though was uh, the seventh rounder, uh, it's a Kendrick Norton out of Miami, and uh, he's um. He's a bigger guy, you know. Uh, I, they lost uh, was it Star Latuli this year. Latuli, yeah, Latulale, he signed with uh, Buffalo on a five-year deal. Yeah, he signed with Buffalo on a five-year deal. You know, so uh, there's definitely going to be a need there for, you know, kind of like a, uh, uh, you know, uh, nose kind of, uh, you know, a run occupier or something like that. You know, Norton has has some decent size. He's like six three, three fifteen. So uh, I I could see him actually being. Um, you know, somebody who can eat up some blocks and uh, take up some space. So, uh, you know, the, 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 their draft was more of a uh, needs-based draft. I don't necessarily think it makes it a bad one. Well, I, I agree with that also, um, especially because, I mean, after a while when you're taking the best player available, you have to look at it and be like, yeah, that's great, but I also have, like, you know, three or four receivers who can contribute. Like, I need to um, up, upgrade this position. This really is a reach of the spot. It's better off to go for that, go for that position instead. Um, so I mean, it just, it works both ways. I mean, if you, 
if you have a lot of needs, I think you absolutely got best player available. Um, if you're a really, really good team, you really don't have a lot of needs, you definitely got best player available. Um, but if you're in the in-between, I think you uh, you find a blend of both, unless you have like a really gaping hole in one of your positions. And yeah. there's, a, there's, a, there's a player good enough to fill that spot for you at that, at that juncture. Um, and keep in mind, too, that Norton's probably going to be like the third or fourth tackle on that rotation, too, because they still have um, uh, the guy from Purdue. Uh, they will. They have Kwan Short. Uh, they're having Purdue. Kwan uh, Short, and they drafted uh, Vernon Cargers. No, <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, um, I know you're talking about drawing a blank on his name, though. Um, the t- defensive tackle from uh, Louisiana Tech. Hold on, I'm, I'm finding yeah. it out. I bet you're finding it right out. Um, so you, you know, Vernon uh, Butler. The Butler did it. Vernon Butler, yeah. You know, Jadarius is going to listen to this, mo- uh, this podcast and like, what the fuck, guys? Yeah, I know. Come Shout on, guys. Front of the uh, program, Jadarius McCoy. He is, he's, he's in front of the program. Uh, yeah, I mean, they, they have him there, so I, I don't think they're looking at Norton to step in and start right away. But I, I think he can give you a little something as a, uh, two, you know, kind of two-down guy if it develops a little bit. You know, uh, listen, any, any picture making around seven, you kind of just hope. They're lottery tickets. Yeah, that's all they are. You know, like, and, you know, you could have used a lottery ticket in the worst way, so I'm not really angry about that one. Yeah. Uh, last but not least, let's talk about Atlanta. Um, Where the players play. Yeah. yeah. We go uh, down the streets like every day. Mm-hmm. So they made a little bit of a surprising pick for the first round. They took uh, Calvin Ridley. So they have the they have the Alabama connection at receiver between him and Julio Jones. Um, Ridley, much of this draft process and even before the season started, was being hyped as a, basically – a poor man's Amari Cooper. I mean, he runs a crisp route, but, you know, his hands aren't great. Um, what do you make of him being the number two in Atlanta? So, I felt like Ridley was being pegged as the uh, best wide receiver in a pretty weak uh, wide receiver draft. And, you know, to be honest, I, like, so when I say that, you know, I, I wouldn't have taken him, what I generally mean, unless some, uh, a prospect I absolutely hate, uh, what I generally mean is that I would rather not spend the capital that I need to spend on him. So if I tell you I'd rather have, uh, you know, take like uh, Equinemius St. Brown or something like that in round, so, I mean, it turns out to be round six, but even in like a round four, round five, I would have rather used that on a guy like St. Brown than I would have used a first round pick on Calvin Ridley. That said, uh, despite not being uh, his biggest fan, I thought uh, where he ended up going uh, was actually pretty interesting. You know, he ended up going to a team that didn't need him to step in and be, uh, you know, the top wide receiver, you know, from day one. He ended up going to a team that uh, you could argue he might not even be the number two receiver from day one. You know, like, I'm sure he'll eventually ascend to that level. Uh, but, you know, Sanu's been there, and Sanu's a guy who uh, has, you know, his up and down games, and, and he's, he's a useful NFL player. Um, he's also the greatest uh, throwing receiver ever. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, he, he's not a number one receiver, obviously, but uh, he's definitely a guy who could be a part of a rotation and, um, you know, perform and play. So, you know, really goes to a really good situation. You know, hopefully he goes to a situation where uh, he attracts enough attention for Matt Ryan to figure out how on God's green earth to get the ball to Julio Jones in the red zone. For $30 million a year, Matt Ryan. $30 million a year, Matt Ryan, by the way, uh, for the sake of my fantasy team because I'm tired of watching Julio Jones finish a year with – I'm pretty sure Julio finished the year with as many touchdowns as Odell Beckham Jr., which <laughs> so is one, insane. One of, my, one of my favorite uh, 
uh, articles I read last year, 538 ran a story, and the headline was, here's a novel idea. Throw the ball to Julio Jones in the end zone. <laughs> yeah, some, the, 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 some, of the most, uh, some of the most obvious things are uh, not that obvious to some people, I guess. Yeah. No, we're going to um, so later on the Falcons draft, uh, they got Isaiah Oliver, a cornerback, which, um, I think I, I like that pick. I think it's a solid pick. Um, I don't think as many people realize that cornerback really isn't, um, it's more, it's more of a need that I think people realize in Atlanta. Um, what do you think of the pick? Uh, you know what? I, I thought it was an interesting pick. Um, I didn't think Oliver was actually going to make it that far to be quite honest. Uh, so, you know, him getting all the way to the back end of round two, you know, in a, in a league where, you know, it's a passing league in a lot of ways, and cornerback uh, play is at a premium nowadays, you know. A lot of cornerbacks get paid. So, uh, Zay Oliver was one of the better corners in this draft, and I was surprised that he made it that far. I thought that was a pretty good pick for them, you know. So, I, I, think, I think overall, um, I think scouts and fans – Value the cornerbacks in this draft more than I think the actual teams did. Yeah, because there seems to be a lot of guys yeah. who kind of fell further than you thought they would. I, yeah, I, I definitely got that feeling too. No, I, I definitely believe that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I thought I thought that was a good good value pick for them. You know, uh, Atlanta was a team that you know we had, we had done a group a group mock, and I ended up uh, having on my own. And they were, they were a nightmare to pick too, because nobody knew what the hell they're going to do. Yeah, they were they were a team that I, I felt I had a really hard time trying to figure out what they wanted to pick because. You know, a lot of people were saying guard uh, early on, and I just, you know, I didn't really see the fit for guard there. You know, uh, they have, they still have Andy Levitre. Uh They went out and signed Brandon Fusco, and, you know, he's maybe he's not a, a superstar player, but, you know, he's a guy they give a multi-year contract to and, and a guy that they expected to come in and start, you know. So generally when you do that, you know, you're not really looking to uh, upgrade the position, you know, uh, in the draft, at least not early on. You know, like they ended up taking – um, they ended up taking a wide receiver and cornerback, and you know they try to play on the perimeter and stuff like that. But you know, I, I kind of uh, expected them to take a lineman somewhere. So I, you know, I, I was a little surprised that they didn't take any interior lineman in the entire draft. Yeah, that's uh, that was a big shocker. Yeah, um, uh, another, another guy that they took. Uh, I just wanted to actually mention him. Um, was uh, Deidre Sanat? I think that's his name. I'm not sure. Yeah, but he was a the guy. Pokemon. Yeah, he was um. He's the kind of guy that I think is gonna is gonna fit pretty well uh, with them. You know, he's not a he's not a big time guy. He's not a huge athlete or anything like that. You know, but he was a, he was a really solid run stopper despite you know being kind of limited physically. You know, he wasn't a fantastic athlete and stuff like that. But he's a guy who um, you know really was really disruptive in college last year. And uh, with a guy who you know, as you recall, I was a really big fan of coming out, Grady Jarrett. Um, Lining up next to him, I think it's be good because Jarrett's more of a uh, you know, three you know the three tag is a gap penetrator kind of guy, and Sinatra's just kind of a guy who's uh, disruptive. He plays a point of attack really well, and uh, he's a high effort guy. Uh, so I, I think he's the kind of guy that might ha- has a chance to outplay that one of in a way. Um, more in the Atlanta draft. Um, they also took Ito Smith, which I don't think is going to be a big factor this year. Um, but I think they're looking at him down the road with um, Tevin Coleman. The, with um, Pendle's uh, departure, Tevin Coleman, who's in his contract year. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. I, I think I think that's kind of where, where they were seeing him too. You know, uh, they, Coleman, I feel, was handpicked by Kyle Shannon. If you remember, I was, I was big on Coleman coming out too um, 
for Atlanta, for his fantasy uh, purposes. Um, <laughs> he's a guy that you know, he's he's a good one uh, B. Uh, I don't know if he can ever be a, a real real lead back, but I think he's good as part of a committee. I think Atlanta's done well to use him, uh, and I also think that he's a guy that after they pay Devontae Freeman, they're not going to pay two running backs. So yeah. I think uh, they're, they're not Carolina. Yeah, they're not Carolina. So you know the way I see it is. Uh, Freeman, uh, not Freeman, uh, Coleman is at the very least entering his last year. And to be quite honest, I, you know, I don't think it's going to happen, but it wouldn't be the most stunning thing in the world to me to see them try to trade him, get to something. If they like Edo Smith enough in training camp, you know, maybe trade it to, maybe if a team suffers a, an injury or running back and uh, take some interest in, in, in Coleman, maybe they're willing to give up a, you know, a day two pick to give, willing to give you a third rounder, you know, um, might not be a terrible idea. Uh, you know, I, I don't think that'll happen, but, uh, I, w- I wouldn't rule it out either. It'd be pretty aggressive, you know. But, um, yeah, I mean, he- he's a guy that I think at the very least uh, will will come into play uh, next year in 2019. Um, so my big concern about Edo Smith is, I mean, he's he's only 5'9", only was 195. 5'9", only stack shit that eye. <laughs> um, but he really isn't – he's not really much of a plus as a, uh, as a pass catcher. Right. Um, he's ran the ball well, but with – uh, his size being a concern, that's going to be um, a long-term question for him in the NFL. Um, he was a great – he was great as a pass blocker, but um, you, when you're a guy that small, you kind of need to be able to – you need to be the factor as a pass catcher as well, and I just don't see that with him. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I would say that part of that could have just been that he wasn't used in that, in that way, you know. So uh, he's a guy – I think he, he had a – He's a big tackle breaker in college, and that's actually pretty impressive for a guy who's not an enormous kind of person. 188 you know? tackles broken on 829 carries. I mean, that's that's a lot of tackles to break, you know. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's that's not a uh, it's not a, it's not an easy thing to do. So, I, I do think that there's some talent there. I definitely think there's some talent there, you know. But um, I, I think it's it's an interesting move. It's kind of a projected move. That's one of the that's one of the positions that I did target uh, when I was drafting for them. I was I was looking at uh, getting them a running back to kind of step in for when Coleman leaves because, you know, they're committed to Freeman and stuff. So, yeah. you know, I, I, I could see Edo Smith coming in and, and being that guy after, you know, stepping up. Yeah, definitely. Um, and that about wraps up the uh, NFC South. Guys, thank you again for listening. Uh, and we will continue with the uh, Eastern Divisions next. All right.